Welcome to the 52nd episode of the Terp Talk Young Terps podcast, powered by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason the Intern Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. Johnny Holiday will be joining us in our second segment. And other than that, we will be discussing Maryland's upcoming game against Bowling Green and the Terrapin Rundown. But before we get to that, this podcast is brought to you by Watercrafters. Watercrafters in Gaithersburg, Maryland, has been providing swimming pool services and supplies to the Montgomery County area for the past 35 years. Watercrafters' highly skilled service staff can open and close your pool, as well as provide new equipment installations, repairs, and weekly service. The Gaithersburg Retail Showroom has everything for your swimming pool, including chemicals, parts, and fun accessories. Visit the Watercrafters Retail Showroom in the Gaithersburg Air Park or online at www.watercrafters.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. I mean, I'd rather just talk to Johnny, but um, I guess we'll do the non-rep report to start. So men's soccer has played, and uh, they drew UVA, so another ant result. Hey, they that's the number seven team in the country. Terps need to find some offense. They have not scored yet this season. Well, that was a big concern going into the season, and, well, it seems to be valid at this point. Yeah, the loss of Gordon Wild seems to really be affecting the team. But, hey, it's Sasho. He's going to figure it out. Eventually, they'll get something going. I hope so. On the bright side, though, men's soccer has ranked number one in total attendance so far this season, probably inflated by the UVA game at Audi Field. I don't really think that that's the case. Of course, the Terps get great crowds for their soccer games. And that's something good. You know, the crew's always out there. They're a great experience, great games to watch at Ludwig Field. And it keeps going with UCLA on Friday. Yes, it does. That should be another great crowd, especially if the weather is, especially if the forecast is looking good. I know it didn't really rain on the Stanford game, but there was rain in the forecast that negatively affected the attendance. As we keep going here, field hockey goalie Sarah Holiday named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week in field hockey. Along with that, the Terps are ranked third in the coaches' poll. They've beaten a lot of good teams. They're looking great this year. Keep going with the honors. Two football players earned conference honors last week, including Antoine Brooks Jr., the co-defensive player of the week, and Jay Sean Jones is the league co-freshman of the week. Yeah, both of those guys getting player of the week honors. That's good to see. Hopefully it rolls into the Big Ten season, though. As we keep going here, the Terps earned some votes in the AP poll, placing 31st, but they're not going to get a chance to really move up for a while. Hey, as long as you win, hopefully you'll be sliding up the poll. They are also number 18 in the ESPN Power Rankings, above Michigan. Okay, so can you explain that one to me? Because I don't understand that one. Neither do I, but hey, it's nice to see. Uh, I guess. I, don't, I, I think they overvalued Texas a lot. So do I, but... If they want to do that, then I'll take my um, number 18th ranking. I suppose so. Maryland, in um, a surprising move, was named the Football Writers Association of America Team of the Week, which includes FBS and FCS teams. Um, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I'm assuming it's good. I guess it is good, and I think it's because of all that, you know, the fight they showed. They're playing for their fallen teammate. It's really nice to see this team being so nationally recognized after everything they've gone through. To round things out, we have 10 Terps playing on NFL rosters going into week one. 
I'll take the first half. We got Stefan Diggs in Minnesota, Yakin Gakwe in Jacksonville, Vernon Davis playing for his hometown Washington Redskins, DJ Moore in Carolina, along with Torrey Smith in Carolina. Jermaine Carter Jr. will also be with the Carolina Panthers, Sean Davis and DHB with the Steelers, Quentin Jefferson with the Seahawks, and J.C. Jackson making the roster in New England. Although, in a surprise twist, there is zero zilch, not a turf on a practice squad anywhere in the country. Yeah, it's, I thought Kayvon Walker had a good camp for the Bears. He falls short of making a practice squad, but hey, you know, there's always time once you get cut that first time. Somebody might pick him up down the road. So who do you think is going to have the best season out of all the trips in the NFL? I got to say it is Yannick Ngakwe for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Saxonville continues into the 2018-2019 campaign. I think he is set for a monster year. And I guess we're going to be watching the Panthers a lot, huh, Mason? Yes, we will. Three Terps on that team. Three of my favorite guys. I really like Jermaine Carter Jr. I think that he was underrated going into the draft, and I think the Carolina Panthers got a good pick taking him in the fifth round. Hey, I love Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey anyway, so they're going to be a fun team to watch, in my opinion. Yes, they will, and hopefully we'll see a lot of balls going towards DJ Moore and Torrey Smith. Well, this should be the one and two receivers. So on to possibly the least exciting opponent on Maryland's schedule, the Bowling Green Falcons. Hey, Jordan, you know who is excited for it? Who? The Bowling Green Falcons. It's a whiteout game in Bowling Green. They have sold a lot of tickets for this game, and they are expecting a big crowd and hopefully we'll get a good atmosphere from the 25,000-seat venue that Bowling Green plays in. Well, they don't host many P5 teams, I suppose, in Bowling Green, Ohio. No, they do not, so this makes it all the more special game for the Falcons. But it's been a rough couple of years since the departure of Dino Babers. Well, Dino Babers, of course, ran his somewhat revolutionary spacing space instead of routes system with receivers, and he's at Syracuse now. We're going to play him next year. But they hired Texas Tech running back coach Mike Jenks to, receive, uh, sorry, to replace him, and uh, it's not gone well for Mike. No, 6-18 and 18 entering, well, now a game into his third season for the Falcons. 2-10 and 10 last year. Quarterback for the Falcons is the sophomore Jarrett Doge. 12 touchdowns and 3 interceptions and 5 starts last year. Yeah, but he did not start the season well at Oregon. Going two for 38 with 253 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Just not what you wanted to see from the young quarterback. Two for 38, Jordan? Is that a mistake? Yeah, my bad. It is 22 for 38, although ESPN seems to be adding an extra completion in his totals, which is weird because he only had one game. But, yeah, he just he struggled in the first game. Running back for the Falcons will be Andrew Clare. He shared the backfield last year and racked up 725 yards, and he also had 113 last week. So it seems like the Falcons will try and run and pass the ball pretty equally against the Tarps. Yeah, they have a balanced attack, which is unique for these um, group five group of five teams. Usually they try to air it out more. Uh, the star of the offense, though, really is Scott Miller, two-time All-Mac receiver. He had two, sorry 722 yards last year. But he had 166 last week against the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, Bowling Green got out to a really fast start, and it seemed like for a minute that they were going to shock the world in Eugene, but it didn't work out after that 10 to nothing start. Yeah, they got blown out. What was the score? 
58 to 24. Yeah, so they could put points on the board. That could be a concern for this Terps team. Obviously, the older guys, they know how dangerous Bowling Green can be. They lost to the Falcons, and that was really the end of the Randy Etzel era. Yeah, there's a lot of people who wanted to hire Dino Babers at the spot, and I'm not. I'm still not entirely sure that was the wrong decision. Now to the Bowling Green defense. Jordan, one of the worst in the NCAA last year, giving up 506 yards per game. Well, um, I don't know how much worse it can get than that. They were one of the worst teams in Division One last year in terms of defense, but they do have some bright spots this year. Yeah, and going really quickly back to last year, it did result in the firing of the entire defensive staff. This year, though, they do return five of their top six tacklers from last season and the entire defensive backfield, but it didn't look too good against the Ducks last week. No, it did not, and that does not bode well for people hoping for a turnaround because the problem really is the defense. I just want to look real quick, real quick, and I don't have it in front of me. I want to see how Oregon's rushing attack did. Well, the Ducks didn't do that great against the Falcons last week. They only did end up racking up 212 rushing yards. And that was spread really diversely between a lot of different guys. Justin Herbert, who some people believe is the best quarterback going to next year's draft, didn't do that well either. Going 10 for 21, five touchdowns, two interceptions. Not what you expect to see from such a high-scoring bunch. I actually don't know where they got their points. Yeah, it seems like it came in a lot of big plays. And a huge second quarter where the Ducks amounted to 30 points. They still gave up 504 total yards. For the Terps, this should be an easy game, correct? Well, it has trap game written all over it to me. It does, and I think to a lot of people that like to think like you about Maryland, that they're just going to think that it is a trap game. And you know what? I kind of agree with that. think like me mean? Jordan, everyone that's listened to this podcast knows that you, you're kind of a Maryland naysayer. I have no reason to be a positive person, given how I've seen Maryland football go. You know, I... Really wonder, and this could be ending, I hope it is, if this has been the worst stretch of Maryland football the last 10 years in history. Well, hopefully that means they can only go up from there. I'm just saying, there hasn't been a ton of reason for me to be positive. Okay, okay, yes, I understand that, but it is a new era, in my opinion, in College Park with these great recruiting classes. We have a lot to look forward to in the coming years. Well, I hope you're right. But anyway, getting back to the present, what is your prediction for our game against the Bowling Green Falcons? I have the Terps rolling big in a what I think will be a tough environment to play in come Saturday at 6 o'clock, but the Maryland Terrapins offense rolls. Ty Johnson gets going. Terps 59, Bowling Green 24. You have us winning by one point more than Oregon, don't you? Yes, I do. I think it will be a very similar game. I think Bowling Green can take the energy from their crowd. Saturday night and get off to a fast start but for Maryland as the game progresses they wear the Bowling Green defense down and end up rolling big with the running attack well I have a similar score I have us winning 45-21 I don't think our offense is quite as high powered as Oregon is I think our defense is better though and before we move on to our interview with Johnny Holiday, we need to talk about ESPN plus real quick yeah, the game will be broadcast on ESPN Plus, sadly, for a lot of people on Saturday night. That will cost you, is it $6 to watch? No, okay, so first things first, ESPN Plus is like 
it's a live streaming service for sports by ESPN. I'm sure you've seen ads for it if you watched ESPN in the past. Um, you can get a free trial for, I believe, five days. So you, I could, it could be a week, but I think it's five days. So whatever the case is, you want to make sure you count it out so you get this game. Um, Mason and I have a subscription, so this won't be a big deal for us, but I know for a lot of people don't have it. So make sure you get that squared away before Saturday. And that's a good thing to note. Jordan, Saturday night, we, I believe, will get to see a more open playbook. What would you like to see from this Matt Canda offense? I would like to see Piggy get a majority of the snaps because I think with the weakness of the Bowling Green front seven, he could have a career day. That sounds good. This is the last thing that I'm going to say before we get to the Johnny Holiday interview. For me, I would like to see Ty Johnson have a big night, possibly over 200 yards, get the campaign that we hope for going. And I can't wait for Saturday night. I can't wait to see these guys again. Go Terps. And before we get to the Johnny Holiday interview, I would like to tell you about the newest sponsor in the Young Terps family, Allied Party Rentals. They have what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied Party Rentals has the tents, chairs, linens, and china, and other accessories you can need for any party. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located in Beltsville and serving the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia areas, contact Allied today for a no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, did you know that the Allied cooling tents are still out at Maryland? And the good thing is that no Terps players will need to sit in there for all of practice as everyone is still healthy. Back here on the Young Terps podcast, joining us now is a guest for the ages and one that all Maryland fans will know. It's Johnny Holiday. Johnny, welcome in. Thank you, guys. Nice to be with you. Johnny, you've done a lot of games, starting with the San Francisco Warriors. You've done the Bullets, the Wizards, the Redskins, the Browns, the Raiders, the San Francisco Giants, the Senators, currently with the Nationals, Stanford, Cal, Navy, GW, how did you end up at Maryland? Well, I came to D.C. in 1969 as a disc jockey on WWDC and also did the pregame with the old Washington Senators when Ted Williams was the manager. And I spent 10 years at WWDC, and eventually I went to WMAL, which was at that time the number one station in Washington. They had the Redskins, they had the Capitals, they had Maryland, they were the station, and they carried the Maryland games. And so eventually, after 10 years at WWDC, they talked about me coming over to their station to replace the two guys who'd been doing the morning show, who they thought was going to retire, but they never retired. And in the meantime, the manager of the station asked, he said, you've done some sports, haven't you? And I said, yeah, I did a little bit in San Francisco and Cleveland. He said, well, how about would you like to take over the Maryland games? That was 1979. And I said, sure, you can do Maryland football and Maryland basketball, and then you can also uh, do the sports on the morning show, and then when they retire, you'll just move in, and you'll be the host. And I said, okay, that's fine. So that's how it all began uh, 40 years ago. Yeah, you've, d- you've done some great games. Let's talk about some Maryland football first. The miracle 
of Miami, one of the most just surprising games that's happened in Maryland football. What were your emotions during that game? Well, it, it was interesting because Miami's my home. That's where I grew up. I went to high school there. I had never left the state of Florida until I was 18 years old. And I actually played in the Orange Bowl one game when I was in high school. And to go back down there, and I had a lot of my buddies in the booth with me that day, high school buddies, and Miami, I think, was ranked number six in the country at that time. And they had Kosar, Ernie Kosar. They were, I mean, they were loaded. And Maryland was pretty good, though, pretty good, with Stan Gelbar and Frank Reich and, and the tremendous receivers we had, Greg Hill and, and those guys. And, you know, here comes Miami, and they just they stuck it to us in the first half, 31 nothing. And there's no way, at least people thought, there was no way the Terps were going to come back and win that game. And I'll never forget having the chancellor out at halftime, John Slaughter. And at the end of the interview, I said, what are you looking for in the second half? He said, well, we're going to come back and win this game. And then I followed up, and I very gently asked him, I said, well, now, um, Dr. Slaughter, I know at halftime they've got some beverages back there. Have you been drinking any of those beverages? <laughs> we're, down, we're down 31 to nothing. And he said, oh, no, we're going to come back. I like the spirit of this team and blah, blah, blah. And Bobby Ross, what a great coach. And sure enough, they come back to win, at that time, the biggest comeback in Division One college football history. And uh, I think the rest is documented quite well of what Frank Wright did, greatest comeback for Frank, and then he went to the Buffalo Bills and had the greatest comeback ever for the Bills. And he was the backup quarterback to Stan Gelbaugh. And now, of course, Frank, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and just a fabulous, fabulous guy. But it, it, you couldn't have put together a better script for a game like that. The emotion of once Maryland got rolling and once they could, they proved to Miami 31 nothing, we could overcome that. And I think the Hurricanes felt the pressure a little bit, turned the ball over a couple of times. Uh, Maryland took advantage of that. The running game was established. The passing game was incredible. And, you know, you come away with that upset win. And one of the things I remember, the flight back home, you'd think they'd be celebrating and a lot of hooping and hollering on the plane. You could hear a pin drop. Everybody was so exhausted. Everybody slept all the way back. They got to Baltimore and bust down to College Park. And later on, in talking to Bobby Ross, he said, man, did I let into them at halftime, and I told him that if – we don't play respectably in the second half. They'll have to win, but we have to play respectably. If not, when we get back to College Park, we're all going to run the steps at Bird Stadium. So just keep that in mind. And they did, and they won. Well, Johnny, um, one of my favorite recent seasons was in 2001, Ralph on specifically us being North Carolina the first game of the season and then being NC State the last what were your favorite memories from that first year? Well, I think the first year with Ralph, I was happy because, you know, Ralph had played in Maryland. He was starting offensive guard. He came to Maryland as a quarterback, and they made him into an offensive lineman. And, I, I mean, I love the guy, and I still keep in touch with Ralph all the time now, even though he's down in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, Reynolds Plantation, Georgia, retired and living happily ever after. But 
I knew that he was going to do well because he had a wide-open offense, and he was a no-nonsense coach. And the thing I remember about, you mentioned two games, Carolina and NC State. And I think the NC State game, that was the one that Julian Gary caught the touchdown pass. Yes, yes, it was. To win it in the end zone, and I think we won the ACC with that particular play. And, I mean, Gary went on to have a great season, great couple of seasons in, in the Canadian Football League. And, and I mean, everything Ralph did, it seemed like, turned to magic. He had, he had us going to bowl games every year. He had outstanding quarterbacks, and he was a great, great quarterback coach. And he just had the guys believing it every time they stepped out on that field. Nobody was any better than they were. They were better than anybody in the country. And he had white teams, and he went to bowl games, and and uh, you know he just made a tremendous mark. Yeah, you with both of those teams, you talked about the emotion that they had, the emotion that you felt, the emotion that the players had to bring. This Saturday, we saw a really emotional game for this football team, and I know it was for you. How do you think that the emotion that this team's feeling right now will affect them going the rest of the way? Well, I, I mean, if you can gauge what they did Saturday. Uh, and it carries over, which I think it will for the rest of the year, because every single one of those guys in that locker room not only dedicated that game to Jordan McNair, but they dedicated every game to Jordan. And his memory will never be, he will never be forgotten, and he should never be forgotten. And it was probably the most emotional game that I've done in my 40 years, and trying to, all I thought about was this young man at 19 years of age, life being taken away by a heat stroke, and the circumstances surrounding that, which I'm not privy to, I wasn't there, and reading about this and reading about that, and wondering how in the world are these guys in this football team going to come out and play after all the things they've gone through, all the emotions they've gone through. And quite frankly, I thought it could go one of two ways. They could come out, they could be sky high, they could go out there, play their tails off, as they did, or they could fall flat and all the emotion taken out of them, of their fallen teammate, their head coach being put in administrative leave, the strength coach fired, uh, the head trainer on administrative leave, another guy on administrative All these things going around them is swirling in their heads all the time, which gives you little time to think about football. And, I mean, they came out of just, they, everybody knows, they played their hearts out. And they did it for Jordan. And I think it's going to carry on to this week against Bowling Green and I think the subsequent weeks. And it'll be very tough in the Big Ten this year, as it, as it always has been because of the division we're in. It's, you know, the toughest of the two divisions is our division. But let's not forget the fact that this is a good football team. They've got D.J. Durkin recruited. These are his kids. And they are they are better than people probably think they are. I mean, Texas certainly found that out. And to beat them the way that they beat them here, I think was more impressive than even last year's win down in Austin when they upset them. And... You know, Texas, and looking back over the numbers, I think they've only lost 20 season opening games in the history of their program. And of the 20, two belong to Maryland. So 
I think it's going to continue and answer your question. I think it will continue this week and every week, as I think it should. I don't think they should ever forget what they're playing for. They're playing for the pride of the school. They're playing in the memory of Jordan McNair, as they should. And I think these kids have shown a lot of heart, a lot of resilience to overcome tremendous, tremendous odds and do something that very few people thought they could do, go out and pull off an upset against the number 23 team in the country. Yeah, let's move to the game for a second. It was a really odd experience to have that rain delay. What did you do during the rain delay? I ate and drank. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We got a guy named Mike Bukovic who does the pregame and does the postgame show for us, and he did a fabulous job. We threw it back to the studio, and while he did an hour and something by himself, with highlights and scores and updates and and talked about this game and other games around the country. And all we had to do is just watch the rainfall and watch them, you know, try to get the field ready for for the second phase of the game, whatever that would be. We had no idea because I've never gone through a situation like that with a lightning delay for that long. We've had rain delays. They've stopped games and so forth, but not as long as this one. So we didn't have anything to do at all except just kind of sit there, and we had some sandwiches and some, uh, you know, soft drinks and water and stuff available to us if we wanted it. And it was a long time. And then the thing, the thing you worry about is when the guys come out, you know, they're not they're not warmed up properly as they would be to start a game. You worry about cold muscles, you know, the torn ligaments and guys slipping and sliding. You can see they spray from the turf. Every time a guy got hit and went down, you could see the water fly up. So you had no idea what the conditions were going to be like. But it turned out to be a you know sunny uh, second half of the game and turned out well. So speaking of the radio experience, you have a new co-host, or not co-host maybe, but a new member of the team this year in Lamont Jordan, who of course was a running back for Maryland for a few years. How do you think it is for him working from the field to the radio booth? You know, last year he dropped in with Tim Strachan and I. Uh, he came in about three games, I think, toward the end of the season. And the, the thing about Lamont is he wants to do this. He wanted to get in broadcasting. He brings a wealth of experience, not only here, but the nine years in the NFL. And he had some pretty good years, pretty good years. And, of course, in the record books at Maryland is the all-time leading rusher. You just take a look at all the fabulous numbers that he posted. And he's willing to learn. Uh, he, he takes great direction. And one of the things he asked me was, is there anything I should know? And I said, no. He said, do you know what you're going to ask me? I said, no, I have no idea. I said, but just, just like Tim Strachan, when Strachan started 22 years ago, I said, just keep in mind one thing that when you're doing the game with me, you're the expert. All I'm doing is telling people, what's the down, what's the distance, where's the ball, what's the score, how much time is remaining, who made the tackle, who made the catch. You're the guy that tells everybody why they're doing something or why they're not doing something and what you anticipate they'll do in a situation like this. But I will never, ever leave you out on an island by yourself. And I'll never leave you in a situation or ask you something or set you up with something that's going to be uncomfortable and that you can't handle and you can't answer. Because 
I played at the high school level. You played at the college and the NFL level. So you have a little bit more experience than I have. I may have, I may have some years on you in broadcasting, but football-wise, uh, there's no comparison. And I, th- I think he's going to be terrific. In fact, I told him even last year after the first couple of games he did with Tim and I, I said, don't be hesitant. You can talk as much as you want to talk. The only thing I ask is when they break the huddle, you let me set the situation, and then as soon as the play's over, you got it, and you can talk as long as you want or as little as you want. But I think as, as you go along, it's the first full game he's ever done by himself. And I think he did a marvelous job, all things considered. And, you know, he, he dealt with the emotion the same way that I did because it wasn't that long ago he was out there playing so he can relate to all these guys. And he's, he's going to be a terrific, terrific analyst. And the biggest thrill I have is, is having called every single one of his games. And I don't think I had in my wildest imagination back when he was playing at Maryland, someday he'd be sitting alongside me and we'd be doing these games together. He's just a, he's a terrific, terrific young guy. And for all the success he had, you would never know it. He's so unaffected and such a nice guy that you just like to be around Lamont. Let's move over to the hardwood. What is the best Maryland game that you've called? I would probably, well, it's got to be the national championship. Of course. I think think probably before that, in basketball, any time we beat Duke, was a good one. Anytime we beat North Carolina was a good one. And there was a lot of those. And anytime, you know, Gary had more wins over number one teams than any coach in the country. Every time we beat a number one North Carolina or a number one Kansas, I mean, those were really, really super special and sweet. But of all the games, maybe, you know, maybe the ACC championship game and when we won it and Lynn Bias was playing, and certainly the national championship is, is above and beyond everything and the way they did it in Atlanta. But that would have to be the very top. But, I mean, there's, there's, there's more basketball, I think, signature wins in my mind than there is in football over all the years because you got more games to play in basketball, too. Yeah, one of my you, favorite games was when Gravis Vasquez senior night, they played Duke, it was a... It was one of the first gold rush games that they had. It was just, it was a great night. And since then, really that emotion or passion, I haven't seen. What would you say? Didn't Gravis have about 30-something points in that game? Yes, yes. I think it was yes. 35. 35 or 38 or something like that. Yeah, he went off crazy. Yeah, he went crazy against those guys. Yeah, that was. And another game is the one down at Virginia Tech. When I think he had 40 or 43 in that game, something like that. I think it was, oh, was 41. Was a triple-double game, maybe? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one that they cleared out the, the stands. Uh, I think a beer truck backed into a, a fire hydrant or something and shut down all the water for the school. and they, they delayed the game, and then when they finally started the game, there was no fans. Huh. Yeah, that, quite interesting. That is an interesting one. You, t- you talked about Len Bias, and now we're – talking about Jordan McNair these days. The basketball season, the first one after Len Bias died, do you see any correlation between the two? No, I don't at all, because Len Bias had already finished school, been drafted by the Celtics, did something off campus, 
and just a few of his close friends and teammates were with him. And the thing with Jordan is completely different. I mean, he's out there in a practice field, supervised workouts, everybody's around. So I, I don't think you can compare the two. You can compare the two in the tragic death of each one of them. And that's that's the sad part, that Lynn Bias at age 21 and Jordan McNair at 19, it, it's just, it's unthinkable. It just shouldn't have happened. And uh, I, don't, I don't, but I don't think you can compare the, the, the two of them with the circumstances being totally different. Well, Johnny, I kind of noticed that a lot of the um, best games, in your opinion, were ACC games. What's your opinion? Because I know it's got a lot of backlash out there of the move to the Big Ten. Uh, my opinion, I think initially, I worry No, you can't, and that's going to do it for our interview with Johnny Holiday. Johnny, we thank you for coming on. Thanks. As always, you can hear Johnny Holiday on the Terrapin Sports Radio Network. You can follow him at 
on Twitter at the Holiday Kid, and you can catch him on Masson on the post game of the Nationals. Mason, what does it mean to you to have interviewed someone with such stature in the Maryland sports community? Well, it's just been a really great experience to have Johnny on. We hope to have him on throughout these upcoming episodes of the podcast. He was just a really great interview, and it's really good to hear all of his famous stories about these great Maryland games. I'm sure he could tell you a lot more. Well, I think it kind of does it for this episode. Yes, it does. It has been a great episode of the podcast. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors, Viner Foregates and Rockville. They built TurpTalk.com. They can build a website just like that for you. Watercrafters in Gaithersburg, Maryland. They're the place to go for all your swimming pool needs, chemicals, parts, fun accessories. You can visit them in the Gaithersburg Air Park and Allied Party Rentals. They're your place to go for all your tents, china, and other accessories. They're the place to go. Visit them online at www.alliedpartyrentals.com. If you are looking for more great Terps content, check out the Wayne Terp YouTube page. That's the hub of Terp Talk on YouTube. We have great content from the field after the Texas game and Matt Canada's Tuesday press conference, along with our weekly edition of Terrapin Tuesday with Scott Green from Terrapin Sports Report. You can see that all up on the Wayne Terp YouTube channel. Jordan, this has been a really great episode, and it's good to have you back. Back last week, too. Yes, um, you... So hopefully we will be talking about the 2-0 Terps next Sunday. Hopefully we will. And as always, we thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. We will see you back here on Sunday after the Bowling Green game. Go Terps!